Okay, well, I think we're done here then. I look forward to working with you, and when I say you, I, I do mean you, not necessarily Eric. <laughs> Understood. Oh, and Mr. Assange, before we go, there's something Eric and I would like to say. Live, live. from... It's not live, it's live, <laughs> but... You want to try it? Let's do it. Live from New York, it's Saturday Night! It's Saturday Night Live! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 6 of SNL with host Chance the Rapper and musical guest Eminem. I'm John Murray and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or rather Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. All right. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Chance the Rapper. In one of the uh, commercial bumpers during last night's show, SNL teased that we are getting Sersha Ronan and musical guest U2 for our December 2nd outing. Do we know anything about Sersha Ronan? I'm ashamed to say I don't know much at all. Haven't seen any of the movies that she's in. I went and checked her uh, IMDb page and they are all movies that I've missed for some reason or another. Turns out I've seen pretty much everything she's been in, but also had no idea who she was. Uh, she is obviously a, an award season darling right now. So we're going to get one of those shows. Uh, she's not necessarily a comedian, but she can bring some gravitas and they'll probably be doing a lot of send ups of the type of movies that she gets cast in. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Those kind of shows can go either way. Sometimes they're brilliant. Sometimes they're a little shaky. Yeah. Let's jump into our cold open. Eric and Donald Jr. received some valuable information from WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Now we're going to frame this around some feedback we got from Meme Sustential, who said SNL is definitely having trouble spacing out their political characters. They just had Donald Jr. and Eric on Weekend Update two weeks ago. Plus, we've had Jeff Sessions almost every single week, and it's starting to get a little tiresome to see Kate do that character. So this is a pretty obvious criticism. Do you feel like we're just running dry on political characters that we can build rewarding sketches out of. Is there anything to this? I suppose an argument can be made about oversaturating SNL with, uh, you know, political figures, but you know, Don Jr. And Eric are such great caricatures. You know, I almost don't mind seeing them that often. Sure. Now, what about Jeff Sessions though? Cause we have had easily what four, maybe five appearances of Jeff Sessions so far for six episodes. I know that you would agree that they pass the ball to Kate a little too often. Do you feel like tonight was another example of that? I can agree more with that one than Eric and Donald Jr. Sure. I just feel like they're spinning their wheels with that character and going for the same type of jokes. Like they've, you know, giving them possum qualities and giving them a tail. And, you know, ever since all that was established, it's, it's kind of been leaned on a little bit too much in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. We've seen a lot of sessions and we haven't seen a lot of fresh sessions. We've just seen a lot of the same jokes repurposed and rehashed in different ways. And that's fine because Kate can really sell it. And, and it does rouse the crowd to see, you know, Kate come out and do now another iconic character of hers. Uh, but they are going to it a lot. And what that signals to me is that 
they don't have anywhere better to go. And that's the scary part. Not that we're seeing Jeff Sessions. It's that we're not seeing anything new that is going to end up being the next Jeff Sessions. And uh, so, yeah, that doesn't doesn't say much about uh, how fertile the uh, the political writing at the show is right now. But still, we, we are only six episodes in and they still are coming off of the high of last year. And they, they do have some goodwill with these characters that uh, I think they're savvy to want to capitalize on as much as they can. So there could be a lot of things feeding into why we're seeing so much of Kate and Sessions. Uh, I just, I really hope that as we go through the season, we see a transition where there is fresh blood brought into these kind of sketches, but enough about that topic specifically, let's just look at the cold open and figure out if it was a win or not. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Um, for some reasons that I mentioned already, big fan of Eric and Don Jr. Yep. It was pretty good material. I found Mm -hmm. Uh, the writing was good and, uh, it's another example of, of Kate playing men, which has become sort of a motif. Is that a motif? Is that something that the the show is getting some excitement out of? Like, is it that it's fun to see Kate embody male characters or is it just they're doing anything they can to give Kate another character? I just, I wonder, I wonder if it's let's give it to Kate because we just want Kate on screen or if it's let's give it to Kate because that is the right casting to make this the funniest version of this character. And I wasn't getting anything particularly funny from Assange. Like she had a really bizarre australian accent which may be true to assange or maybe she was trying to play up some you know verbal quality that he has uh i'm not really sure but there was nothing exceptional i felt about it so i'm wondering you know why put kate in that role just to have a lackluster assange when you've got other male players that wouldn't be any worse you know or or (laughs) wouldn't be any less inspired i just it seemed like an overuse of kate when we don't need to give her any more characters that was my feeling yeah i i don't think i've heard a lot of the real julian assange speak out loud so I don't know how accurate she was trying to be. A lot of the time when they're impersonating foreign people, they go for the the typical accent more so than a honest, sure, accurate impersonation. Yep. Like when they did Rob Ford, like they were just doing like a typical goofy Canadian accent. Oh, how's it going, eh? Also known as the Steve Finn. The Steve Finn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's been pointed out by some of our listeners. Well, everyone in Canada <laughs> sounds like Bob and Doug McKenzie, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've, we've, we've dug deep on accents and Kate overall. Did you like it? Was this fun? I thought it was a win. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. When it comes right down to it, even though this wasn't the most inspired outing for Eric and Donald, I still had fun with it. Like you, the characters are so strong and the bits that they've already established are so rewarding that even though you can now see them coming a mile away and they didn't really do anything fresh with them, it, it was still fun. It was still really enjoyable just to know where they were going with it and then just have it play out. There was some comfort in that. Sure. <laughs> I did really enjoy that they goofed on the live from New York moment, like actually had Eric mess that up. I thought that yeah. was, <laughs> if there was anything really creative that they were able to do with those characters, I think that was it. Like being able to speak a little bit to the show's own <laughs> traditions uh, and have Eric fumble over that. that. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. So to me, this was as good a way as they figured out so far this season to get into the show. It wasn't Trump. It was another set of characters in the show that should rightly be brought into the cold open to freshen it up and, you know, get them out of the Oval Office and just do something new with the cold open. So for all those reasons, I thought that this was a win and well, Eric and Donald, it's some of the best stuff they've got right now. So why not? Yeah. Cool. Moving on monologue chance. The rapper needs a holiday hit to help him make some fast cash. I enjoyed it. Yeah. 
You would think he's done this a million times already, host this show. Like, he just effortlessly glided down those stairs mm-hmm. without a care in the world, kind of directed the band there to end the song. Yep. Which is nice. The drummer never got to do his little that he usually does to end it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great monologue. Um, what, did, what did you think? <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm out of thoughts, passing it back to John. <laughs> My thought was I had a lot of fun with it, but if I'm going to be fair, it was a bit of a mess. Like he stumbled over some of his lines, you know, forgot a couple lines during the song. Whenever they do a song like this, the challenge as I've harped on before is to figure out how to bake in enough jokes to make the whole outing worthwhile. And this one, I don't think quite got there. I feel like it was kind of thin on jokes and the sight gags were fun, but not like really super funny. So it was amusing. It made me feel good about the show because it was saying loud and clear that we're just, we're going to have some fun here. We're not taking things too seriously. Chance is just, you know, a really, you know, sweet, sincere, earnest guy who's come to play with the SNL crew this week. And why don't you just come have some fun with us? Like that was my takeaway. And for that, it was a win, but at a technical level, this, I don't think was the strongest monologue that, that we could have hoped for. It was our first musical monologue. Mm-hmm. It is nice that they aren't overusing it. There are some seasons where they go a little heavy on it. And so you, <laughs> you kind of roll your eyes when you, you hear the music kick up. Uh, I wasn't feeling that. I was feeling this is appropriate, right? He's a musician. I just can't say that, <laughs> you know, the execution was flawless. Sure. <laughs> okay. Let's look at our first live sketch. Batman's vigilante justice is not appreciated by the good people of Gotham's inner city. It's a pretty clever observation. and. Uh, <laughs> Definitely fodder for a good sketch because mm-hmm. not every bad guy out there is going to be the penguin or the Joker. Right. <laughs> there are just some, you know, down on their luck guys. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the guy whose car stalls out that, that bears the brunt of Batman's fury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes you think a little bit. It's like, you know, we don't know the backstory of every little henchman and every, <laughs> every petty thief that he comes across. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fun observations of this. Like I really, I was really on board with the concept very quickly. And I I felt like it walked a very good line of not dwelling on it or staying on that so long that it got old. I felt like the number of times they introduced a new character and revisited the idea, I felt it was just really perfect. Like it really kind of just came and went at the speed and pace that I was hoping for. So to me, conceptually good execution good mm-hmm. it was just smart it was just a smart fun sketch and this is the kind of stuff i, I love to see so I, I was eating this up yep cool let's get into our first pre-tape reminiscent jam records music video for devon trey's 90s r&b hit comeback this is the spiritual follow-up to uh jingle barack yeah from last year what'd you think did this rub you the right way Oh, rubby just the right way. <laughs> yeah. I'm a genie in a bottle for this one. <laughs> yeah. I found it really funny how it kind of fell apart at the end and they admit that they don't know politics very well. Yeah. They're just coming to terms that there's no way that Brock's coming back and they just kind of have a little bit of a fit there at the end. Yeah. It was a little bit more clever than it had to be. Just the nostalgia of the 90s R&B kind of look and feel the, the boys to men, Casey and Jojo-esque visuals would have been enough to make it a fun outing but the fact that there was a story and their demeanor kind of changes as the song progresses that made it yeah a little bit better right (laughs) yeah yeah i loved it i love that they brought in so many of the cliches from those videos and and called them out it wasn't a subtle thing it was like look i got 200 candles here how can i not win you back you know (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah really good enjoyed it yeah for sure next up family feud thanksgiving edition 
I was expecting some impressions, but it wasn't that type of Family Feud this time. I was really kind of like apprehensive to see Family Feud come back, but no, no, they found something fresh. Yeah. Do you feel like the concept worked? Did you like what they did with Family Feud this week? I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bit of a slow burn there. It was. The the reveal was very satisfying, though, because of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thought it was great. Didn't recognize one of the Harvey family members. Definitely not a cast member. That is Gary Richardson. He's one of the new writer hires for this season. And we are pretty sure that he was also little Lauren last week. So I don't think that we need to be reading into that. I don't think he's going to be bumped up to featured player status anytime soon, but it does seem like they have a capable kind of like go-to filler black guy now for roles where they, they want to have black ensembles. So that's, that's cool that, that they have someone in the mix that they're trusting with, with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. When they have to start grasping at straws just to fill up the slots, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like, we need more black people. Get in here. <laughs> you could say that's grounds for, you know, having a more diverse cast. True. Yeah. No, there's definitely a criticism to be made if we wanted to go down that road, but you know, they hired Chris red and so far he's proven to be a pretty good hire and it has allowed them to do a bit more. <laughs> don't hate me audience. I don't know what the right word is urban centric sketches, you know, (laughs) black centric sketches. It has opened some doors. So even though there's probably room for more, this is very much a baby steps moment. Like they're working on it. There's been an improvement over what we've seen in some past seasons. So uh, I'm not going to come down too hard on them. I I think there's probably room for some more growth in that area, but this season I think has, has had its fair share of, of moments that I think would maybe be speaking to the broader audience that hopefully they are trying to court a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not too down on the racial diversity aspects of the show right now. Right. Even though obviously if they are pulling in writers to fill speaking roles, that that should signal to them that there's probably some room there to maybe branch out a bit more. Right. All right. But enough on the heavy stuff. Where's the brilliance in this sketch? I think we can both agree that this was a lot of fun, but what was it that made it for you? You know, when the camera dollies over <laughs> and you see uh chance for the first time over on the, uh, what was their name? The Hendersons or something, something really white. Right. Right. Yeah. Like as soon as you see his face there next to his white family, you already know mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're cluing in at the same speed that Steve Harvey's wife is cluing in, which is <laughs> yeah. so satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. And every line he says is giving more and more information that backs up this notion that, yes, um, I think uh, Steve Harvey is your illegitimate father. So it was brilliant for that reason. And uh, great ending. I love how they ended it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My only note on it was this sketch lived in the reactions. It was when they would cut to each of the people as they are either cluing in or getting nervous about covering their tracks. Like when they zoom in on 80 and you know, she's darting her eyes a little bit. Like, is anybody recognizing what's going on here? And then they zoom in on Leslie and then they zoom in on Steve Harvey. It's those moments that I think really made this one special. The concept was great and where they took it and the jokes that they found in it, all that was great. But I think the brilliance was really just in getting those reaction moments. And yeah, I was, I was laughing out loud. This one really was making me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, after family feud, we get our only musical performance for the night, which is Eminem supported by Skylar gray performing a nine minute suite of first walk on water. Then his 
you know, super mega hit classic Stan. And then he rounds it out with love the way you lie. what do you think of this? It's a little unorthodox for a musical performance. Did you want to see this Eminem opus right in the middle of the show? I did. He kind of pulled a prince there, eh? Yeah. Yeah. He said, let's mix it up. Let's, <laughs> let's uh, really go for broke here. Yeah. You know, walk on water. That's a decent song. I find it kind of weird when you like they do like really soft ballad type of, you know, with a string section mm-hmm. and then there's like a hardcore rap over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. The, the contrast just kind of, I find it jarring, but yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, Skylar Gray was great. Yeah. Are you familiar with Skylar Gray? I'm not, not at all, but I got to say she, <laughs> she was stunning. Like, yeah, that was, it was a magical performance. And yeah. uh, I really, really thought her vocals were very strong and powerful. Yeah. And she, uh, she had a lot to live up to. She was doing, you know, Dido's mm-hmm. part and Stan, she was doing Rihanna's part and love the way you lie. And Beyonce, right. And walk on water. Oh, is it Beyonce and walk on water? Pretty sure that's Beyonce. I figured it was Skylar Gray on the, on the recording as well. No, I don't think it was. I think he just pulled her in for like the live tour kind of stuff because he's not going to get Beyonce out. <laughs> mm, well then what's your final word on this? I liked it. I thought it was refreshing to, you know, take the two appearances that musical guests usually get crush them together. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always been a fan of Eminem's music. Stan is an amazing song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just so much, such tension and, and intensity in his songs, which I love. He is an angry little man, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a win. Okay, cool. He is someone that I can't claim to be a fan of. I've never bought an Eminem album, but I'm enamored. Every time I see him perform and you hear the way that his phrasing unfolds, like just how complicated his passages are in his lyrics, and then the way that he's able to deliver that and infuse so much of his emotion into it, there really is genius on display there. So even though this isn't really my bag, even though he's a Detroit boy, he should, you know, he should be my bag, but even though I'm not a, an Eminem fan per se, I really respect what he's able to do on stage. And like you already touched on Skylar gray was a a perfect accent, uh, a, a perfect way to kind of help envelop what he does in something more beautiful to, you know, create that contrast. It really was a stunning performance. And and I, I thought it was fantastic. I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, let's not pretend like we have any other great insights on hip hop music. Let's jump into weekend update this week. Their lead in is all about the Al Franken sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, again, they're, uh, they're coming out swinging at one of their own. How do we feel about this? They did come out swinging, for sure. Yeah. Interestingly enough, they did not make any mention of Al Franken having been associated with the show. No, that, that's fair enough. It never even occurred to me that people wouldn't just automatically know that, but you, you're right. Some people just only know him as the senator, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, seems deliberate to distance themselves. <laughs> I guess right. no one else needs to be taught this. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but... Uh, it was definitely to be expected that uh weekend update would touch upon it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really put what they're alleging Al Franken did in the same category as a lot of what's dropped over the last few weeks, as far as Hollywood moguls and other, you know, powerful people really actively preying <laughs> on, on women. I don't know if, if we're in the same category and I want to be very cautious with what I'm saying, because I also don't want to 
send the wrong impression that somehow we're condoning, you know, anything. This, this seemed like a very, uh, very low moment and a lot of poor judgment on Al Franken's part, but for what it's worth, he, <laughs> if you're putting yourself in the, the public eye and you're making yourself a public servant, if you got skeletons in your closet, SNL has the right to skewer them. So fair's fair. And, uh, I felt like they weren't quite as successful this week in their skewering though. I didn't find that the jokes were as funny. I feel like maybe it was just a timing thing or an energy thing, but it just, it felt like they weren't quite as confident in the material. So, uh, even though they had every right to do it, I just didn't feel like this was the absolute you know best we've seen. And because we've had a few really good outings so far this season, I would have hoped to have seen something a little stronger, but Hey, you know, they can't all be home runs. Hilts. All right, let's jump into our first feature. Kate is back as Jeff Sessions to discuss the Trump campaign's contact with Russia. Did we want to see Jeff Sessions again? I don't know. As far as a Jeff Sessions uh, segment goes, I mean, it was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I just wasn't interested in seeing Jeff Sessions uh, this week. Like, I've enjoyed what Kate's done with him, and uh, it's gotten a lot of laughs. Mm -hmm. It just seems to be getting a little tired. And I don't know. I just felt the back and forth, the rapport was... uh, Something was off with it. Okay. So not the best outing with Jeff Sessions tonight. Not the best, no. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was particularly bad. Like, Kate's a great performer, so, you know, she's still embodying the character. It's all there. Uh, It's just, it's material that we've seen so frequently this season that it didn't get me excited, and there was very little that Kate could do to make it more than the material was was able to do. Uh, So, yeah, to me, this was a pretty take-it-or-leave-it I'm just feeling like we need a few weeks without seeing sessions and then it'll start to feel fun again when, when she shows up. Yeah. I mean, put it this way. We first saw Jeff sessions the same time we first saw Sean Spicer mm-hmm. and we might be saying the same thing about Sean Spicer. if They were still doing that sure. up till now, but you know, they put that to rest last season. That's actually a really good point because when they did the final outing with Spicer, we were all saying, oh, that was really good. It's nice that they took it further and did the pre-tape, but I am so glad that we're putting Spicer to bed because we got four outings in quick succession over the course of, you know, maybe two months. And that felt like too much Sean Spicer. Here we are six episodes in and we've seen just as much sessions as we ever saw Spicer just in the first third of season 43. So I think that's got to say something about just how heavily they're relying on this character. And, and I just. I hope that they uh, hope they branch out a little bit, find something new that they can can throw at us because we can't just keep seeing the same kind of material from sessions. There isn't really anything new coming to the screen here. And and uh, yeah, it's just played out. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's take a look at our next feature. Uh, Kyle Mooney is back as Bruce Chandling and he is performing his Thanksgiving theme stand up. Wasn't the best Bruce Chandling, but Bruce Chandling going to be Bruce Chandling. Sure. Now, when you say it wasn't the best Bruce Chandling, do you mean it was so deliciously bad that it was in fact the best Bruce Chandling or do you just mean it was lackluster? No, he was, his jokes were too funny. That's that's the problem. (laughs) No, no. Uh, In fact, the jokes were as bad as ever. You know, it was a serviceable Bruce Chandling. There's always that high and low peak (laughs) in his mood. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's. It's getting fun to get to know Bruce Chandling and all the things he wished he had, like a a little Bruce of his own. (laughs) But his body just doesn't work that way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was all good stuff. There's just not much to say about it that you could say about every other Bruce Chandling Mm -hmm. appearance. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. This could have just as easily been any other outing because it's the exact same beats, which is true of so many weekend update characters, but uh, it wasn't any better or worse. As long as we only see Bruce Chandling once or twice a season, then I'll always count these as a win because the formula is strong and it it's great to hang on his words and wait to hear him drop that devastating moment where he reveals the the dark truth of his existence. Like that one moment in the middle of it is always a lot of fun. So I'm always kind of like perked up waiting to hear exactly how dark things are going to get with Bruce this time. Uh, that's fun. Let's just not overplay it. Right. Cool. And then finally, our third feature for the night, Pete Davidson has a few more things to say about Staten Island. It was good. Yeah. This is what he does best. Mm-hmm. You don't see him in sketches as often, although we did see him in a good couple of sketches this week. Yeah, this was a good showing for Pete this week. He's a stand up at heart, and this is where he uh, he flourishes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every time he comes on, it's it's just... It's, it's improving every time. Like, I, I feel like I'm watching someone grow up in front of me. <laughs> sure, sure. So you can see him, like, gaining all these strengths and, and learning so much. Yeah, it's just great to see him getting even better. Yeah, he's definitely been on an upswing. The last few outings have all been very strong from him. And it seems like part of what's making them strong is that he's mining his own life. And he's really just putting a lot of himself out there. And you can't help but be engaged by that it's a very sincere thing that he's doing up there. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to watch. I got to say that I think that this is probably the best Pete Davidson we've ever seen on the show. At least for me, I think that this is the high watermark of what he's done so far. I'd have to give it a hard thought, but I can see myself agreeing with you. Yeah. I was balled over laughing with some of this, like the way that he kept coming back to how he lives in the shadow of Colin Jost. Like that is, that is a solid, thing to keep revisiting and having the articles to back it up and having Jost there trying to be uh, supportive, but at the same time reveling in it a little bit, like just, there was something really firing about that whole aspect of it and his delivery overall end to end. It was not fumbly. It wasn't like something that he just seemed to be working out on the fly. Like this wasn't first draft material. This was a really well thought out and well realized outing for Pete. And uh, I think he crushed it. I think this is this this is the genius that the show must have seen that got him, you know, hired in the first place. But yeah, a lot of fun. He had a way of playing with the audience. He had a way of playing with Jost. He just had a way of really, really selling that material that was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Back half of the show. We get a live sketch. Rinkside fill-in reporter Laszlo Holmes is very cold. He was cold. He <laughs> did mention it several times. Mm-hmm. I see where they're coming from with this. If you've ever watched hockey, yep. I hate to say this and, and come off as racist, so please don't misconstrue <laughs> me. There's a couple of, you know, black hockey players. Not many, but there are some. Sure. And when I see them, it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> there's a black guy on that team in hockey gear. Like, <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, black people just stick out at, at hockey games. <laughs> Uh, I hear what you're saying. It's, and that's the whole point. This is a fish out of water sketch. Yeah. It's obvious that that is the joke. Um, I actually was really charmed by this. I thought this was really great. I think that it was a fun premise. I think chance. The rapper was surprisingly good at realizing that character. 
doing his best, but he has nothing to work with. Like he has to say the most like ambiguous statements, but try and sell them as though he's actually saying something about the sport that he's never watched in his whole life. Right. That's kind of a a tough character to play because you have to be a little flummoxed, but you got to be showing that you're trying to hold it together. Like there's a lot of performance there. And coming into this, I didn't really know how much performance chance was going to be able to bring to the show, but there were a lot of moments tonight where he really surprised me. He really stepped up and, and did some great work. And I, I understand now why having had him around, you know, for a few weeks when he was the musical guest, why the show must've picked up on how good he could be as a host. Yeah. This was a, a good sketch to highlight really what he had to offer. And I, I thought he did great. Yeah, he did do great. And I even forgot to mention how good his uh, Steve Harvey impression was. Yeah, yeah. That was another highlight moment where it, his performance was spot on. I got to say, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. But aside from just Chance's performance, this sketch, I think, was just really strong conceptually and structurally. And, and just the writing of it, I felt, was really, really good. Really, really there. And I feel like they exited it well. I just feel like everything about it felt very competent. So that's, that's my takeaway. This felt like a sketch, like a sketch with a real meaty premise that was a lot of fun to explore that they took down all the right avenues. And then they jumped out when it was time to jump out. Yeah. Just, it escalated. Everything about it was just right how it should have been. I liked it. Yeah, totally. Okay. After that, we get a pre-tape rap history. Three old school artists question the hip hop cred of up and comer little doo-doo. What do you make of this one? This was weird. (laughs) Yeah. Good, weird, bad, weird. It was a good weird. Okay. It's so weird to see Pete doing character work. I was just talking about how, you know, he's stand up first. Yeah. Yeah. He's a stand up at heart. And then, you know, this is one of the first full on like acting, you know, actually portraying a character that's nothing like himself. You don't think Chad was a well-realized, deeply <laughs> compelling character from Pete Davidson? <laughs> Okay, a monkey could play that part. <laughs> but I honestly don't know if, if anyone else could play it quite as well as Pete Davidson. It, it was it was the role he was born to play. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought it was funny. Um, the whole thing about crack and <laughs> like Chris Red was nailing it. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of crack. That's <laughs> that gets stuck in your head like a song. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. They touched on a lot of really funny uh, kind of visual throwbacks to very early hip hop. Uh, the costuming was fantastic. All of the characters were very well realized. Chris red. Yeah. Really, really strong work from Chris red tonight was a surprisingly good showing for Chris red. He was in a lot of material and not just in the background. He had a lot of fun parts tonight. So this, this was good. This was a, a solid outing, but also one that I think was extra charming because it's clearly giving Chris red an opportunity to step up and show that he's got something fun to bring to the show. So uh, a lot to like here. (laughs) I was really smitten with this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, are you a big fan of Lil pump, especially his hit single Gucci gang? Um, (laughs) you know, it's been a while (laughs) since I put Gucci gang on. Okay. In fact, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. That's what Pete's character is modeled after. There is a, an up and coming internet artist that, uh, fancies himself little pump and he makes some ridiculously awful hip hop that anyone with old school cred would rightly look at and say, this is the death of our genre. Uh, so I think it is fun that they really kind of dug deep on that and really tried to realize the most obnoxious up and coming hip hop persona that they could. I, I felt like they really, really nailed that aspect of it. And Pete was the perfect casting for it. So a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Yep. We saw quest love and we saw common. 
Yeah, they pulled out all the stops for this. I, I think that might have just been a favor that Chance was able to call in with Common, but very cool that they were able to add that kind of documentary cred by having some other hip hop luminaries in the mix. Uh, yeah, a lot to like. Really, really strong bit. Very strong. Cool. Moving on. We get another live sketch. During career week, two boys are very enthusiastic about their dad's contracting business. I found it sweet, you know? <laughs> How so? They just wanted everyone to be really excited about their dads, even though what they did was like, it wasn't sexy. Yeah. Yeah. There was no wow factor like a roller coaster engineer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, I actually, I got a question for you because when I'm watching it, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that that was really what they were trying to say. I wasn't sure if it was that these are just boys that are smitten with their dads and their dads are kind of like their superhero. So of course their job is going to be the most exciting thing in the world of these boys. I wasn't sure if it was that, or if they were trying to overcompensate for the fact that kind of deep down, they understood that their dad's job was kind of lame and previously you know, the roller coaster mom gave everyone passes to the amusement park. Like they were a tough act to follow. And I was wondering if the boys were just trying to like pump up the audience for their, for their dad's lackluster presentation. So I wasn't really sure what the sketch was trying to say there. No, I think that's it. You know, they couldn't rely on just what they had to say speaking for itself. So they were kind of like trying to be the hype men behind their dads. But were they doing it sincerely out of love for their dads or were they doing it to make sure that they were seen as the cool kids with, you know, something awesome for their class to revel in? It seems to be more for their own benefit because it was making their dads angry. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't appreciate what was happening. So maybe it was for them to save face and try to convince them that they have dads we're bragging about, I guess. Yeah. Who knows? We are way off in the weeds now. So uh, just focusing in here. So did we think this was strong? Was this a, a good sketch? Did we want to see this in the show? Yeah, I was happy with it. Okay. Uh, this was kind of fun. I was kind of lukewarm on it. I felt like the premise was kind of muddy for me. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what the character's motivations were, but that's, you know, that's digging deep on something that was just supposed to be goofy fun. I liked the little cattiness between the teacher and the roller coaster engineer. I liked just how willing chance was to sell his, role in it uh you know even stripping down or whatever and mikey day too doing a pratfall like there was there was a lot of fun stuff in here but it it wasn't i think the strongest premise or just the best realized it it just it just wasn't like super strong but not bad either no that's that's fair yeah okay and that brings us to our 10 to 1 skank babysitter 17 jasmine's naughty encounter with the pizza delivery guy is derailed by a precocious and oblivious young girl Yeah, the whole thing with pornography is that production qualities are sacrificed just because it really doesn't matter. Right. You know, you're not really there to look at the the mise-en-scene or anything, right? Right. So, yeah, bringing in that child character, it's like having a Greek chorus in your porn. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, when she starts commenting on, on like, the couch and two plants. Right. That is funny. And why would her living room just consist of that? I think it's funny that she actually lives in that world. Like to her, this is her reality. Like <laughs> sure. She's calling attention to it, but there is some bizarro world where this kid actually lives on a porn set and, yeah. and is oblivious to it. That's, that's just a little uh, quirk that I enjoyed. Yeah. And now every time I watch porn, I'm going to think there's <laughs> some kid off at the other, room. there's some kid in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that doesn't ruin it, I don't know what will. <laughs> This was fun and a little bit smarter than the visuals would have you believe. Uh, A a lot of cliches obviously played up to good effect. And yeah, there was a lot I liked about this. I I thought it was uh, pretty clever for a 10 to one. And 
uh, I think it's clearly solidifying Heidi Gardner as kind of like the 10 to one queen. Now it, it seems like the quirky, weird adventurous and a little daring characters. Uh, it seems like they're willing to hand those over to her and uh, yeah. So maybe she's going to be the, the back half of the show darling for the rest of season 43. We shall see, but this, this was pretty strong. This was a pretty good way to end the night. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's our rundown moment of the night. You know what my moment is? It's actually Chris Red's line in the uh, in the little doo doo pre tape. Mm-hmm. Little doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he says uh, just a little bit of crack. Okay, but not the first time he says it. The second time, because once they establish it as like a repeating thing, right, that's right, when right. it actually got funny. Yeah. So like the second little bit of crack is uh, it tops the moments of the night for me. Yeah. There was definitely a moment there and all the more sweet because it was a moment for Chris Red, and we've been looking for someone to step up and challenge Heidi. And uh, tonight was probably the, the best showing for Chris Red to do that. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I can't agree more. All right. My moment of the night, I'm giving it to the reveal of chance, the rapper as Steve Harvey's son, that moment. And specifically the back and forth camera cuts of everyone's reaction. There was just five seconds there where that whole sketch just blossomed and I loved it. It was, it was really fun. I was laughing out loud. Chance was able to play the part. So yeah, that was just a really satisfying little moment in that sketch that I, I thought was great. Yeah. That was up there for me too. Mm-hmm. Best sketch. You know what? I'm going to go with that family feud sketch. Okay. I don't know if, uh, if it was the funniest sketch of the night, you know, there's some great stuff in, uh, in like that little doo-doo pre-tape, for example. <laughs> yeah. A lot of laugh out loud bits uh, throughout the night. Mm-hmm. I was having the most fun during Family Feud, though. Yeah. Chance was great in it. And uh, yeah, little Forrest Gump reference in there, which was nice. <laughs> yeah. Is is he smart or is he like me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, very satisfying. When they do a game show sketch, right, it is not wrong to point it out and say, that's how you do it. And this was how you do it. Yeah. You got to turn it on its head. You got to find a new way into it that that's really fun and creative. And this was one of them. Yeah. What if Steve Harvey's illegitimate child showed up on his show? Uh, yeah. Hilarity ensued. Really liked it. So for my sketch of the night, uh, I'm a little torn because there was a lot of good material. This was a surprisingly strong show. There was a lot of really high moments. The pre-tapes particularly, they had some really good stuff, but I want to give my best sketch to the section of the show that just gave me the most belly laughs, like where I was just hysterical and on the verge of crying. And for me, that was Pete Davidson's weekend update part tonight. Nice. Yeah. I thought that that's the best we've seen from him. And I thought the material was strong and just really competently delivered and just, yeah, just genuinely really, really funny. And Pete's delivery was really sharp. He just had all of the kind of like the, the charm and sass and just everything you want from a, a really, a really engaging presentation, of that material. He was just on fire. He just really, really nailed it tonight. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah. So that'll do it for me. How about MVP? I think chance the rapper deserves <laughs> it, man. Sure. I can respect that. He just did such a great job. He really did. He really did. Surprisingly. So you don't come in with a lot of expectation, but he was the strongest player in at least two of the sketches that he was in tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell he was having a great time. Mm -hmm. He was just a natural and I see no reason why they wouldn't have him back uh, the next few years. And yeah, I look forward to those episodes. 
yeah, seems like a nice guy, real performer, musical genius. Like what's not to love here? This is the full package. These are the kind of people that SNL wants to connect with and embrace and bring into the fold. And yeah, I want to see him again. Yeah. If he shows up every couple of years, I would be totally fine with that. I, I feel like the show can have a lot of fun when he shows up. And I like the weeks where you can tell that the writers are just excited to come in because this is someone that this is one of their buddies back to play, you know, and I feel like chance the rapper is yeah. kind of in that territory. So yeah, yeah, I can, I can respect that. Uh, and he was in the running for me too, but I am going to go with Chris red tonight. And not because he had the big standout moments. I feel like Pete Davidson had the the biggest standout moment for me. And I feel like Chance the Rapper was stunning as a first time host. But I watch the featured players closely and try to figure out when it is that they start breaking through and start becoming cast members that the writers are confident to rely on and like bring into a sketch and, and reach out to and kind of like embrace as a player. Right. And I feel like we're starting to see that now. I feel like he was in at least half the material tonight and everything he did was competent and well-presented and there was nothing fumbly about what he did. So he was a solid player tonight, but the growth is what I'm recognizing with this. The fact that from, you know, the first couple episodes where we barely saw him to now where he just feels like as much a part of the show as any other player. I think that that's a good trajectory. And I want to point that out that the show has embraced him, And I expect to see even more of that in the coming weeks. Yeah. I look forward to it as well. Very good. The big question on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I think it deserves a great. Yeah. Any reason in particular? The writing was strong. Performances were good. And uh, our host was a first time host and it was really interesting to, you know, to see how he did. So there was a lot of really good stuff going for it. And not only were the live sketches good, but also the pre-tapes. Mm-hmm. So everything we got tonight, even the musical performance was good. Yep. So I feel like across the board, there's really nothing going wrong with this episode. Yep. That is totally fair. Uh, yeah, it took us six episodes to get there, but I agree. I think this is, for me, the the first great outing of the season. This is the one where at the end of it, I felt like, yep, that was satisfying. And there really wasn't any bottoming out. There wasn't any moment where I'm just cringing saying, oh my goodness, are they going to be able to come back from this? Like we just lost the energy of the episode. We didn't have anything like that. It just felt fun start to finish. Yeah. And there's always quibbles. You know, we, we could harp on seeing a few recurring characters too much or the show, maybe having a little bit of a Kate addiction, but you know, small quibbles aside, this was the one that fired end to end and was really even keeled and was just really, really a treat to watch. So yeah, this is my first grade of the season and uh, happy to give it to Chance the Rapper because I think, I think he was a really stunning host. Yes. All right. That's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn and thanks as well to our repertory player patrons, Jonathan Jordan and Aaron Intrader. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in two weeks when SNL returns with host Sersha Ronan and musical guest U2. This has been episode number 34 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. amazing week. I serve an awesome
awesome God. I love these people behind me. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, everybody who believed in us. I can't wait to see the rest of my family for Thanksgiving. I hope you guys do too. I love you guys. Good night. I just want to say, what you're describing is not the Staten Island I know, Pete. Well, because they, they love you, you know, like, because you represent what they could be. You know, a kid who got out, he went to Harvard, and now, apparently, according to People Magazine, is the world's sexiest joke writer. <laughs> and look, the reason Staten Island hates me is because I represent what they are. You know, a mentally ill community college dropout. <laughs> who got a Game of Thrones tattoo before watching the show. Uh, dire wolves look dope. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to know what's going on. But no, hey, congrats on that sexiest thing, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah, right, relax. Yeah. Okay. Come on, relax. Let's be honest. The sexiest joke writer is a really specific category. Yeah, it's like being the world's smartest horse. 